you are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Locked On Braves, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, found where all your favorite podcasts can be located, whether that be the Google Podcast Store, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Blueberry, wherever it is you like to listen to, you can find Locked On Braves, as well as most of the other Locked On Podcast Network shows. Whether you're an Astros fan, a Yankees fan, maybe not even a baseball fan, maybe you're looking for the Falcons or the Panthers, whatever it is, the Locked On Podcast Network has a show for you to follow along with your favorite team every single day and learn everything you need to know in nice, short, digestible segments so you're not getting bombarded with two- and three-hour podcasts every single day. Locked On Podcast Network has everything for you. Follow along and subscribe, and you can get updated every time a new episode drops. That way you never have to miss what you could be needing for your favorite squads. All right, so big win for the Braves last night. They went 7-1. to one. Really, really good game. Uh, and Kevin Gosman looked great in his return. Seven innings, five hits, one run, uh, no walks, and eight strikeouts. And that's a big series for the Braves. Washington really needed to come out ahead in that series. They've been playing really great baseball lately, unfortunately for them. And fortunately for us, the Braves have been playing just as well, so they haven't really picked up any sort of ground. So with the series split, you know, you always want to win a series. Four-game series are always a little bit different. But for the Braves, you hold serve. You still maintain a six-and-a-half game lead. And for Washington, that is a big downer, especially how they looked in game one when they obliterated Kyle Wright. That's a that's a big loss for, for a national squad that – I've told you guys all year they're extremely, extremely talented, but they keep digging themselves holes, and I think it has to do more with their manager than anything else. I won't be uh, – I will. I think it might have more to do with the front office manager, all that stuff, than the actual talent on the field because um, they're just too talented to be six and a half games back. But whatever, that's their problem, not ours. For the Braves, all you need to know is they maintained, they've got through that stretch where with Max Fried on the IL, they had to call up Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson. Neither one of those did particularly well. Kyle Wright got absolutely obliterated. Um, which is a shame because he looked good for the first couple innings, and then, man, it just it just fell apart, and it fell apart quick. And it wasn't just Kyle Wright. Tuki Toussaint getting blasted as well, as he does not seem to be adjusting as well as a lot of people, myself included, had hoped he would to this kind of long-relief role. I think he needs a more defined, get him out there, uh, one, two-inning stints, but, but use him regularly, kind of the same way they're using Sean Newcomb. I, I think that would be more ideal for Tuki Toussaint. But luckily last night, the offense provided some fireworks as Ronald Acuna and Josh Donaldson both blast homers. Acuna's was, as always, a majestic power shot, um, almost I believe it was 110 miles an hour off the bat, which is just normal for him. And it's just it's so insane when you see how hard Acuna hits the ball and you actually see him. He's not a big guy. He might be 6'1". He's, he's, maybe five, he's, he's probably closer to 6' foot than he's 6'1", about 180, maybe 185 pounds. It's just so much explosion. His lower half, the way that he that he comes through with his arms, he's got a very unique swing, the way that he brings his arms through the zone. And he's got such explosive bat speed that he puts he puts some of the best swings on baseballs that you will ever see. And even with the 
overloaded ESPN mics that make a routine fly ball sound like it's going to Alpharetta. Um, it, it is something different when you hear the ball off the bat of Acuna and Donaldson as well. I mean, we can't uh, we can't afford to uh, to leave out uh, Daddy Donaldson. Shout out to uh, Ashley at Irish Honey Dips. Uh, if you hear that one, that one uh, was a little reference that uh, makes me laugh. But Donaldson's really coming around. He's been well worth that $23 million that was spent. And if you guys are still kind of on the fence about, wow, that's a lot of money to, to pay a guy, Donaldson has been one of the key cogs in this team, number one. Number two, $23 million is really not that much money. Think about Will Myers is going to make $22 million. Uh, and Josh Donaldson has been... If you just if you look beneath the the surface statistics and you take a look at the the types of balls he's hitting, uh, the extra base hits, the the exit velocities, if you're into that sort of stuff, he's actually having a season on par with his MVP year um, back in 2015. Now he's not going to be the MVP this year, obviously. Uh, I think Christian Yelich has pretty much got that award wrapped up. Maybe Cody Bellinger makes a quick run, but. Yelich, what what Yelich has done is insane. Uh, but Donaldson has been a huge boon to this team and to this offense in general. It's a much deeper lineup with him batting fourth, which is where I kind of thought he should be from the get-go. I mean, I, I'm not a huge believer in lineup optimization. I think mostly you just look for places where people are comfortable and they'll take care of it themselves. Um, but if you're a believer in that sort of thing and you're a believer in protection and you were one of these guys saying that Nick batting behind Freddie let Freddie see better pitches – then going by that same logic, Josh Donaldson has been worth every penny because Freddie Freeman has had the best season of his career. So good to see from him. And he's played some great defense. Uh, good to see those two getting out there. I want to talk about te- about Kevin Gosman for a little bit before we before we lead out of here and go into the next segment. But Kevin Gosman, and this is you guys know my thoughts on Gosman. I'm not I'm not huge on Gosman. I wasn't big on him last year at the trade deadline. I wasn't super excited that we got him. Thought there were better pitchers out there. Um, I think. Myself and pretty much everybody else thought that the plantar fasciitis thing was just an excuse to send him down. And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, who knows. But I know on his on his rehab trip, he changed the way he was pitching. He came up with two pitches. He um, he started throwing a cutter, which he had never thrown. Cutter is one of the, the bigger pitches in baseball right now. Everybody's throwing a cutter uh, just because you – a lot of guys don't want to throw things that are straight anymore, and the only time you're really going to be throwing that four seam uh, is when you're behind in the count or when you're trying to get a guy to swing and miss up in the zone. But that cutter could be a very important pitch for him as it gives him something uh, with a little bit of a sharper break on it. He threw it a good bit last night. It is a slower cutter, so I'll be tending to call it a cut slider as opposed to just a, a true cut fastball because he only threw it about 83-84. Um, Still throws a lot of the split finger, but he also got back to throwing a curveball, which he was which he was throwing when he was up in Baltimore. But he kind of shelved when he got uh, when he got traded to Atlanta last year, and he might have he might have shelved it in 2017, maybe. Um, but I know he had a he had a curveball when he was coming up, coming out of LSU. Uh, got back to using that. I didn't see him use it a whole lot, but it is there in his arsenal. He feels pretty comfortable with it, and it's just another thing to to give a different sort of look to the hitter, and I think that's important. One of the things with Gosman, there were some rumors that he was just going to be a two-pitch guy. If he were going into the bullpen, then yes, he was going to just be a two-pitch guy, but you can't be a two-pitch guy and be a reliable starter. Um, And I think if you're talking about facing a guy two, three times through the order, uh, running a four-seam and a splitter, they're it's it's too easy to guess. People know that the splitter is a lot softer than the fastball, so if you get a pitch that's coming by uh, and it's not coming as fast as the four seamer is you know where you know pretty much where it's going to break. 
So good for him to have something that's got a, a closer speed. That cutter, that cut slider, and that uh, that splitter are running about the same speed. Now, sometimes he'll ramp that splitter up to about 86, but normally he'll sit at about 82, 83. So that cutter just gives something with a totally separate break, but it's coming out of the hand at the same speed. That curveball just gives something to loop across the zone. Hopefully this is what you can get out of Gosman. This is what the Braves need. I've talked about this before, but the Braves are – Honestly, they're playing a little bit above where they probably should be with the way the starting rotation has been. Um, as we get, we're about nine days away from the trade deadline now, so we'll see if that gets addressed in the uh, in the coming days. Um, but Gosman's going to be big. You weren't, you couldn't be expecting Fulte to be this bad. Um, Julio's been a nice surprise for most of the year. Soroka is starting to regress to the mean a little bit, and that's not to say that Soroka's bad. But the whole having an ERA under one thing—that's not really Soroka's game. Gives up too much contact for that. Max Freed had a month-long stretch of struggles uh, and then gets a blister off his last start, so we'll see where he's back. I'm still confident in Max. I'll always be confident in Max. Uh, but the young guys have been kind of the bigger disappointment. I think the Braves were really counting on Bryce Wilson, Tukey, Newcomb, uh, Kyle Wright. I think they were really counting on at least one of those guys to be able to take the reins. And when it didn't happen, you know, the Braves have gotten really lucky with with a lot of their young guys making debuts, Ozzy Albies, Acuna, obviously. Um but sometimes it happens at different ages. That's not the norm. So the Braves kind of got bit a little bit with that. So you can talk about trade deadline. Do they add another piece? And if this can be the the real Gosman, then and if this can be Gosman more often than not, then that is a big boon to a club that really has two spots in that rotation now that they're trying to tread water and trying to figure out if you're talking about competing with a team like the Dodgers or even the Cubs in a postseason stretch. So good for Kevin Gosman. Um, I still don't like him that much. I still don't believe in him myself yet. Um, but good play deserves good praise. So uh, good on Gosman. As it is now, I'm quickly running up at the end of the segment. Coming up next in the second half of the segment, I'm going to be joined by Gabe Burns from the AJC, one of the best beat reporters, in my opinion, on the planet. Uh, guy's only been around for a year, and he's already the superstar of the of the of the uh, the Braves uh, blog followers and the the. The beat reporters for the Braves. He's just taking that mantle and run with it. Really excited for you guys to get to listen to him. It is going to be a little bit longer segment, uh, so you guys might want to might have to listen to it uh, on your way homes or, or whatever. But you're going to want. I can promise you're going to want to listen to it all the way through. We're going to talk about trade targets. We're going to talk about his opinion on where the Braves stack up come October. All that and more coming up next, right here on Locked On Braves. Okay, guys, let's talk about sex. Not just any sex. I'm talking about good sex. The kind you used to have back when you ruled the bedroom. Everybody, every man alive wants to have that confidence in the bedroom. And thanks to my friends at BlueChew.com, you can. BlueChew is the first chewable ED pill with the same FDA active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you can take it with confidence. You can take them anytime. So you can keep that spontaneity alive and your wife will thank you for it. And guys without ED, this isn't just for men with ED. This is for any guy who's looking to take that next step, who's ready to up their performance in the bedroom. Most guys talk the talk, stand out from the crowd with Blue Chew. And since Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped directly to your door, Blue Chew is cheaper and way less awkward than the other leading brands. Go to BlueChew.com, use the promo code MLB to get your first shipment for free. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, BlueChew.com, promo code MLB to get your first shipment delivered discreetly to your door today. BlueChew.com, skip the awkwardness.
All right, everybody, welcome back to the second segment here of Locked On Braves. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. I've been trying to get him on this show. I've been trying to find a way to work him in here for, God, it seems like a month now, but he's always so dadgum busy. The AJ sees Gabe Burns. Gabe, thanks for coming on finally. Yeah, glad we finally worked it out. I'm glad to be on. Just saying, I was starting to get a little upset thinking that maybe the only times you came on TPS was because of Doc. <laughs> No, but it's it's definitely good to have you on. Uh, I gotta ask before we even get into before we even get into any of this. I'm sure you guys know Gabe by now, but if you don't, you guys have kind of missed a rock star. Gabe, your rise from like year one into being everybody's favorite beat reporter, and this is this is a brave Twitter where everybody hates everybody. It's kind of amazing. It, it was a low bar. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Dave and Bowman are great. I mean, obviously, uh, I read that I grew up a Braves fan in the state of Georgia, so I read them a lot growing up. And um, I don't know, it's been really cool. I think that one of my favorite parts of this job is interacting with the fans and the fact that there is such a huge fan base because I'll look at other beat writers. I mean, not just in baseball, too. I mean, in football. I mean, obviously, all those games are nationally televised anyway. And and in basketball, where everything is kind of, again, national instead of regional. And um, you look at, like, the retweets, the likes, just the general interactions, the passion. I mean, as far as the Braves fans are really up, really high up there. And, I mean, it's really cool. And I think that plays a huge role um, just in kind of getting getting us engagement, helping our careers. So I'm really appreciative of that, and it's a pretty cool fan base. It's a lot better now that nobody's blasting Kimbrel memes in your uh, in your mentions every two seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's actually been a, a much more pleasant experience. They're what twenty something. They're like twenty games over five hundred, and Kimbrel was signed, and they actually signed Keuchel, um, which very few of us actually expected that to happen. So it's really worked out uh, worked out pretty well for our mentions. So it's it's a little bit less toxic. <laughs> I can only imagine. Now, I obviously, I brought you on to talk trades because I think you guys are all tired mm-hmm. of hearing me just one-off every guy that I want to trade for. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about this bullpen because there, I've, I've been asked back and forth, and I keep going back and forth about whether it's the bullpen or whether the, the rotation that really needs the most work. Uh, so I, I kind of want an outside perspective here. Aside from a couple members of the bullpen, AJ Minter, I'm looking at you here, the bullpen has actually been pretty reliable for really what since may 22nd i mean it's it's almost it's almost two full months that this bullpen has been pretty reliable yeah i mean it's not it's certainly it's certainly better than people give it credit for um there's no denying that i know that like people tend to get mad when we bring up the era stats and like best era since day x and all this different stuff and they also get mad when we point out that the Dodgers have bullpen problems. And the reality is, is most teams do have bullpen problems. So there's no way every team that's making the playoffs is going to be like comfortable with their bullpen. In fact, I'd venture to say nobody in the NL really is. So, <clears throat> I, I mean, I go back and forth on the starter versus reliever question. Ultimately, I think the starter helps them a lot more because in the postseason, you can kind of patch together a bullpen because they are going to have access starters. Be that Kevin Gosman, if he's back to even anything somewhat close to what he was in those 10 starts last year. Um, you know, obviously, Sean Newcomb has already done that. You know, you see, like, Tukey. I don't think the role they've had Tukey in is very conducive to his development. Um, but he's another guy that you can kind of see what you have there. 
Julio out of the bullpen uh, or starting. I mean, it depends on who depends on who they play because last year he would have started. Everyone kind of made a big deal of him not starting against the Dodgers, but they were planning on starting him if they had played the Rockies. So they really it, they really are going to play the matchups, which of course allows them to have kind of more depth in the bullpen, so they can. In other words, they can figure that out. Whereas with starter, I feel like if you have Soroka, Keuchel, and that third guy, and we, you know, we can <laughs> recycle the same names that we always talk about, but that third guy, I think that that really changes the outlook of how we feel about this team heading into October. Well, since you brought it, I kind of agree with you. I think that the starting rotation is going to be the main focus. I do think that with the teams that are still looking like they are going to either bomb or just be open to trading anyway. I do think that there's a way to get better in the bullpen and get a better starter in the same deal. I know I go back and forth on that too, whether I want to do separate deals or not, because I look at Hansel Robles. I know the Angels would trade him, and he's been so dominant. But I, I, I don't want to derail. Um, what I wanted to talk about is I want to talk about those names, and you mentioned the guys that we're always talking about. Well, it's going to be my goal here to at least give you two names that have not been brought up 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about Madison Bumgarner. You guys on this show know I don't want Madison Bumgarner. It's not necessarily Bumgarner himself as much as it is I don't want to pay for 2014 Bumgarner if I'm getting 2019 Bumgarner. Um, I, I, same, my same problem with Will Smith. I think Will Smith is a very, very good reliever. I don't want to pay a package like what Detroit is asking for Shane Green because I think that's nonsense. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to throw him out there. The Rangers are in this weird free fall right now. And for a team that looked like they were hanging around, the All-Star break was not kind to them, which is kind to Braves fans because they have two starters I look at right out the gate and say, hey, give me either one of those. Obviously, Mike Miner, who Braves fans are very familiar with, uh, and Mike Miner through the first half of this season was one of the absolute best pitchers in baseball. But the other one that I think might be a sneakier Alex Anthopoulos type of move is Lance Lynn who started out really rocky to, to, to begin the year. And it's kind of, if you look at his, uh, if you just look at his surface stats, you can kind of tell with the inflated AR, uh, ERA and everything. But he's done something that no other pitcher in baseball has done this year. And that's strike out the Astros more than, or 11 or more times. And he's done it in back-to-back starts. Lance Lynn has like 100 and, was it after the 12 strikeout performance? It's got to be like 151, 152 strikeouts this season. Yeah, so... That so okay. I've heard Lynn before. Um, just kind of you know when you're throwing names around, not obviously not like Bumgarner Smith, who we talk about like ad nauseum, but that that definitely has some of the Alex vibes to it. Um, and mine. I mean, it depends. My thing with Texas is kind of like San Diego. I think that's a team that really wants to compete next year. Um, so when you're talking about that's where I'm at, like, when people mention Kirby Yates. It's like, okay, well, if they have these guys next year, then, <laughs> I'm not, you know, there's obviously going to be a higher price. Like, when I look at Miner, I ha- I do like Miner. I think Miner would fit in really well here. Uh, I think that that's obviously a logical fit. But at the same time, I, I just, I struggle to see them paying what they would need to pay to land one of these guys in the next nine days. Um, everything that I've heard is that they are simply not going to pay a well, minor's not a rental, but they're not going to pay that premium price for a rental. So when I look at all the rental options, which I don't necessarily agree with that mindset, but 
I'm not going to blame them for not paying a premium, just like what you just said, paying for 2014 Bumgarner five years later. So maybe they're more apt to do that for, you know, a guy like Miner who's, you know, signed through next year. But as I look, I just, I look at the market and it just feels like the more likely scenario here is, you know, make a few medium to small moves and then in the winter reassess where you're at. And I know that's not what people want to hear. And I know that's the exact, it's really the exact same scenario that unfolded last year. But at the same time, last year, people wanted them to trade for Chris Archer. People wanted to give them a, a give a bounty for Chris Archer when they end up landing Gosman. And that turned out to be the better, better move, even with Gosman um, struggling like he has. So, we'll see how it we'll see how it really unfolds but but right now i mean i like those guys those are two more those guys should be more modestly priced than you know boys of the world but we'll see kind of where they end up going with it because right now i'm still kind of having a hard time convincing myself that they're going to pay necessary price to land one of these guys all right i've got one more name for you that i have been on a kick for this guy for probably about the last two weeks John Gray from Colorado. Colorado's in a really weird spot. So they've got an amazing core. You talk about Rinda, you talk about uh, Arenado, you talk about, um, uh, what's his name, uh, former Met, Daniel Murphy, who I always forget, Charlie Blackman, David Dahl's playing really well. And then the minor league system, you got Brendan Rodgers, you got Colton Welker. They got a ton of guys. But their starting pitching is abysmal. And John Gray is kind of a little bit of a head case. I feel like that's a team that you could sweep in. Because they know they're not even even if for some weird reason they end up making the playoffs, which they're not going to. But even if they did, they wouldn't go far. They're not even they're not as good as they were a year ago, and, and it's going to be a worse a worse time if they try to go deep in the playoffs. I almost feel like that's a team that you could get that you could give uh, some of these MLB ready starters that aren't even cream of the crops. Like I'm not talking about your Ian Andersons or your Paches or your Waters or anything like that. But you almost could overload them with with other starting pitchers who are better than the three, four, and five they're running out in their current lineup. It helps them get better overall for next season, and the Braves get a guy in John Gray who has some of the best stuff in all of baseball. Yeah, so I haven't heard Gray, and I've always liked Gray. So, I mean, if if he's one of those guys who's kind of sneaky, maybe out there, or they'd at least listen to, it's definitely worth a few calls. And, by the way, on that same subject, like the Braves have stressed – even to us before, like an obvious, I mean, this goes without saying, but it's still worth saying. There's a lot of guys out there that haven't been reported. Um, even the Rosenthal's, Heyman's, Olney's, all those guys of the world don't get every name out there. Um, so in the case of a guy like John Gray, I, I, I haven't heard any rumors of him. There might be some out there. I mean, for God's sake, there were Luis Castillo rumors out there. So, um, but he, he's an interesting guy. And, I, t- I agree with you on the Rockies. That's a team that should be kind of looking forward. We've talked about this before, but I think one of the big keys of this deadline is going to be a team that can look in the mirror. Because if we look at the National League, pretty much everybody's in the wild card hunt except, except Miami and uh, New York's kind of, I mean, I guess they might tell themselves they are. But when you look in the mirror and you say, we're not really going anywhere, but we have an opportunity to sell, you know, a John Gray or a Yates or whatever, or whoever. I think this is one of those scenarios where if, because Colorado has Arenado signed long-term, they kind of have all their key pieces, like, you know, controllable right now. 
So if they look in the mirror and they just say, look, this isn't our year. We're not. Well, I mean, obviously, we're definitely not winning the division. Odds are we're not getting the wild card. Why don't we kind of see and look what into what Gray can bring us back? And then all of a sudden you're looking at, like you said, you know, the Bryce Wilsons, the that kind of maybe that kind of tier of prospect. You're not going to land Ian Anderson. You're not going to land one of those outfielders, anybody like that. But from Colorado's perspective, yeah, I mean, if they want to be forward thinking about it, which I still think somebody is going to do that. One of these teams in it is just going to be like, you know what, let's just kind of punt these next two months and we're going to go into the off season with a better farm than we had. And I think that's a worthy decision. I think if you're, if you're Colorado, which is pretty well run, good manager, a lot of good core talent, I think that's probably an easier decision to make. So yeah, I mean, gray would, and I think, I mean, I don't have it in front of me. I think gray's controllable for another two years after this one, two or three. Yeah. And he's so, making about $2 million this year. Okay, yeah, I mean, he's, I'm so, that's a guy who, I mean, he will cost, I would think, you know, a fair bit, but, I mean, this is all speculation anyway, but he would definitely be a worthy guy to kind of plug into that rotation and say, hey, we can go into the postseason with a Soroka, Keichel, and then have a minor win or gray, then you're feeling a lot better, Um, you're feeling a lot better going into the NLDS. That's kind of where I'm at on too. Now, just before we end this off, I do have to mention two teams in the NL with 60 win teams. That's the Dodgers and that's the Braves. Are you mm-hmm. feeling better this season about? And I'm just I'm just strictly assuming that the Braves will be meeting up with the Dodgers. You and I talk a fair bit, so you know I've never really I don't really go with the whole how do the Braves stack up with the Phillies and Nationals. I've been always looking at how the Braves stack up with the Dodgers. How do you mm-hmm. feel? Uh, how do you feel this year? Feel better or worse about how they stack up in a in a seven game set? Well, aside from just the Dodgers, I'm also kind of looking at the Cubs. Um, I know that's obviously a shorter series, but that's, I mean, at this point, that's the likeliest uh, NLDS meeting. So, I mean, and that'll be, and that'll be obviously electric. Braves, Cubs at SunTrust and Wrigley would be fun. But yeah, with the Dodgers, it's interesting. On paper, I like them a lot better um, from last year, obviously. I think just the fact that there should be less deer in the headlights come the postseason, um, assuming that they do get to face the Dodgers again, which is a pretty big assumption, but we'll roll with it. Going into Dodger Stadium, I think obviously they're <laughs> they're, they're going to be at least they're going to have the ex- experience now, and that is a big deal. Um, it is a big deal that they've kind of been there. Uh, Acuna kind of had his first signature postseason moment um, with that with that slam off Bueller, so. I, but I, I keep going back to I can't I can't with confidence say how the Braves are going to compete with the Dodgers because every time they play them they get slapped around. Um, it's it's a when they went out there this year it was and I and and I preface this they were a different team when they went out there in May than they are today and they'll play them at home next month. Um, so that, that, you know, and we don't want to read too much into the regular season anyway, but it, it just feels like the Dodgers kind of have their number. And until we see that change, I can't, I'm not really to the point where I can totally predict like the Braves should give them a fight because there's no really reason to say that yet, except for on paper, the team is better. So to answer the question that you asked, they do have a much better chance <clears throat> and it's because their pitching depth is better than it was a year ago. They're more experienced. And Josh Donaldson is a big deal. 
plugging that guy in there that you did not have last year, that is a big deal. That's a guy who's been there. That's a guy we talk about it all the time. Okay. He's been, he's played in the championship series. He's won an MVP, all of that, but that is a big deal. A guy like Brian McCann there is a big deal. So the, and, and I keep looking at it with the Dodgers too. Like it's really hard to win a pennant three years in a row. I mean, they're the best team. They're going to be the best team and they're going to be the favorites, but it is hard to win a pennant three years in a row. And you never know when a team could kind of be right for, you know, maybe an upset and, and they've got, and they've got their own issues They're, I mean, for all the talk about the Braves bullpen, their bullpen's worse. So, you know, we'll see what happens with it, but I, I would certainly think it would be more, way more competitive than it was a season ago. I think that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty good uh, barometer of kind of my thoughts on it too. I, I fully agree that it's, it's almost like you're looking at a big brother, little brother thing. You're playing 21 out in the driveway yeah. and uh, he just keeps dunking on you. At some point, you know the little brother's going to get there and put up a fight. At some point, I'm not sure if it's this year. I'm really not because we, we talk about the Dodgers and their bullpen's not good, but we talk about what makes the Braves good. You know, the deep lineup. They've got really good young pitching. they got some exciting guys. The Dodgers have all of that plus more, which is kind of annoying. Um, but I think that's what makes the, this trade deadline kind of more interesting because you got nine days. for If you're the Braves, you got nine days to either do something that you feel puts you on par with the Dodgers or kind of take stock and see where you're at next year. So I'm excited to watch it. I know you are too. Unfortunately, I do have to cut this segment here now as we're going to approach on the 30-minute territory. Uh, but we're going to be sure to get you back on here again because it's always awesome to talk to you. For those of you out who aren't following the greatest beat reporter on the block, Gabe, why don't you tell everybody where to find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter uh, at Gabe Burns AJC. Um, I apologize for my tweets ahead of time, but I hope you stay with me because we're we're going to be there as long as the Braves are. <laughs> Very good show. Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, right here on Locked On Braves.